Welcome, my friends. Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. It is Wednesday, July 20th. I said that once today and almost forgot it. I had to look. It's Wednesday, July 20th, and it is time for another episode of After Hours with Kevin and Lauren. I think we have a theme today. I'll let uh, Lauren tell you all about it. We will take your calls and questions as well, and it doesn't have to be about our theme. You can call with any health question you want. We'll tackle it. Uh, And we're going to jump right in and get started. Lauren, welcome back. Hi, Kevin. How's it going? Good. Great to have you here. So uh, what's our theme for today? Today, we are going to talk about movement and the importance of movement in our day-to-day activities and a little bit on exercise. Excellent. Today on movement. Excellent. I'm excited about that. And when you sent me that note yesterday and I started thinking about it, and then I got up and I was doing my research today and I came across an awesome article about um, muscle specifically, uh, but exercise in general and how it helps with depression, anxiety, and mental health. Wasn't that our topic last week? Uh, a couple of weeks ago, couple but weeks yes, ago. we definitely yeah, touched on so. that. Yeah. Yeah. So pretty, uh, pretty incredible because we know that diet can make a big improvement in this area, but we also know you deal with people like this all the time. There have been people who have really, really worked hard, cleaned up their diet, got all the metabolic benefits, diabetes is gone, high blood pressure is gone. And yet some of them still suffer with some depression and anxiety, right? Oh, yes. We see it a lot, actually. Yes. I'm happy you came across that article. It's not on my list of things, so I'm happy you brought that up. Yeah. I, I, I don't typically think about this when we talk about exercise or movement or activity. We think about all the other benefits, but this article, um, it, this could, for people who are suffering from this depression and anxiety, this could be the single most important thing they get out of this. Mm. Great. What yeah. did you learn? What can you so, give us some details? Yeah. So it turns out, you know how we used to believe that fat was just kind of inert? Like it didn't really do anything. It just kind of sits there on your body. It's not like an organ. You know, your heart pumps blood, your kidneys filter toxins. They're, they're active. They do things. We always thought that fat was inert, that it was just sitting there not doing anything. Turns out that's not true. Fat releases messenger molecules. Fat can release cytokines, uh, which is inflammatory. If anybody is wondering where they might have heard the word cytokine. Um, For a while, when people were dying from COVID, we were talking about this, and then they stopped. Usually what kills you during COVID is a cytokine storm. It's your own immune system that ends Mm -hmm. up killing you. It releases so many of these inflammatory cytokines that you kind of die from your own immune system. Um, The more fat we have on our body, the more likely we are to have these cytokine storms. That's why obesity was one of the risk factors for COVID. Turns out, We now know, this is fairly new, um, muscle cells are not inert either. Muscle cells are an organ. 
They're active. They release uh, messenger molecules. And one of them, I've never even heard this word till I read this article, muscle releases myokines. And myokines are like the opposite of cytokines. They are anti-inflammatory. And the more myokines we have, the less likely we are to have a cytokine storm. So that's one of the health benefits of building more muscle tissue is that we then have more of these myokines, which are anti-inflammatory and specifically help to counter cytokines. Very, very cool. Wow. Yeah. And muscle, muscle cells also release um, a molecule, an enzyme that actually detoxes the body. So this is another one of those natural detox things. Um, The more muscle tissue you have, the more your body will naturally detox itself. Nice. I like it. Building muscle instead of fat. Yes. And then there's Another area we can talk about with this, um, you know, I, uh, I, there's that phrase, you know, in the drug world for drug dealers, I, what a weird thing to be talking about right now, right? Drug dealers, but they have that phrase, you know, you never get high on your own supply, right? Oh yeah, I've heard that. Yeah. If you're a drug dealer, you shouldn't be sampling the product because you'll become an addict and, you know, then all the bad things happen. So that was the phrase, you never get high on your own supply. Well, Wim Hof actually has a saying, and he, you do get high on your own supply. But what he's talking about is not the artificial form of a drug or, or taking an exogenous drug, is that our body produces cannabinoids. Cannabinoids are the chemicals in cannabis that we're talking about so much lately because now we're starting to see research on this. We didn't even know this till like sometimes in the late 90s, I think. That, that's pretty new information when it comes to medical stuff. We had no idea that our body had an extensive endocannabinoid system. It's in our whole body. We have cannabinoid receptors everywhere. Well, why would we have these? Why would we have cannabinoid receptors? Are we supposed to be consuming cannabis? I, I kind of doubt it. I mean, even though I, I think it's a really natural substance, it can do a lot of really good things. We should study it more. But I don't, I, it, I, that wouldn't make sense to me that we have these receptors because we're supposed to go out and find this thing in nature and consume it. Well, it turns out the reason we have this extensive endocannabinoid system in our body is our body produces its own cannabinoids. And the, the, yeah, the receptor for this cannabinoid, um, where can I find that? I want to make sure I get this right. Uh, there we go. So one of the, I want to get back to the receptor. I can't find that though, but I saw one of the cannabinoids your body produces is called anandamide. Anandamide. Um, the word ananda is the Sanskrit word for bliss. It attaches to the same CB1 receptors that THC in cannabis attach to. And 
cannabis produces euphoria. You get this really happy feeling. You feel good. You feel euphoric. Um, That receptor that THC attaches to, our body produces a different cannabinoid that attaches to that same receptor and gives you that same feeling of bliss and euphoria and well-being. Wow. You've heard the term runner's high, right? Oh, yeah. It, is that we, from like the endorphins or it, it something? Is, it is endorphins, but it's also these cannabinoids that we release that cause that feeling of, and we got it right. We called it high. We, you know, when you, when you take a drug like, you know, cannabis, we say it gets you high. And that's what we're talking about. That f- high is that feeling of euphoria, the feeling of happiness, of well-being. And we have an entire system in our body designed to make us feel that way. And one of the ways we activate that feeling is through movement and activity and exercise. Love it. Another reason to exercise right there to get high. (laughs) So, um, yeah, to, to get high. And we want you to get high on your own supply, your own supply of cannabinoids. Your body can produce them all on its own. That's pretty incredible. Yeah, that is. I learned something new today. I had no idea. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense because if we have those receptors, they're there for a reason. But yeah, yeah. very interesting. I'm happy you found that. Yeah, it's extensive. I can remember I was working with a naturopath, and this goes back to before I really started changing the way I was eating. It was prior to that, not long before that. Um, but I was really fighting with some sleep issues back then. Uh, so I went to a naturopath here locally and we just got talking about things. And I said, you know, I can use some cannabis really helps me sleep, but I, I, I want to fix this and not have to take anything. We just got talking about different things. And I said, you know, there's something else that seems odd, but I've really noticed this as a pattern. And remember, this is before I was eating clean. I have fought with digestive issues my whole life. And I've been in the hospital for it. Uh, You know, I was diagnosed with colitis when I was young. I just fought digestive issues forever, it seems like. Those are all gone now that I was eating better, but this was prior to that. And I used to say, I don't know why, but when I start using cannabis to sleep, and I would cycle on and off, and I wouldn't do it every night, and I'd take, you know, weeks off at a time, I would say, when I'm taking the cannabis for sleep, my digestion improves tremendously. And when I'm off of it, then my digestive issues come back. And she looked at me and she says, I'm not surprised. She said, we now know your intestines are loaded with these cannabinoid receptors. Wow. I love it. Yeah. I love hearing about the cannabinoids. I wish I knew more. I I know that there's just so much more yet to learn. Um, Yeah. Basically because... We haven't done much research in the U.S. Yeah, because our government, in its wisdom, decided that cannabis was um, in the same class of drugs as heroin. 
Exactly. Yeah, no medical benefits and very dangerous. That That's what we've considered cannabis all these years. The federal government still does. It's still a Schedule One drug in the federal government and in the states we now sell it. You walk in and buy it, grow it, whatever. It's not a Schedule One drug, never should have been. But because it was a Schedule One drug, you weren't allowed to research it. You weren't allowed to do studies on it. It's wild. That's why we know so little. And we're now finally just starting to learn all this because in the states where it's legal, then researchers have access to it and they can study it all they want. And now we're finally starting to learn about it. So um, pretty incredible that we have this same system throughout our entire body. We have, we, I think, I think I remember, I don't think I'm confusing this with something else. When it comes to receptors, we have all kinds of different receptors in our body. If I remember right, we have more cannabinoid receptors than any other type of receptor in our body. Oh, I definitely didn't know that. Yeah. I'm actually pretty, very surprised. Pretty crazy. So let's uh, let's continue on with this theme of uh, movement and mood. That's kind of my stuff. I, I kind of jumped in and took over here. I asked you what our theme was, and then I just started talking. But uh, I'll turn it over to you here, <laughs> here in a second. Um, so I am back working on my protocol, the Stress Busters protocol. And Great. I'm tweaking it and researching some new things and changing some things. I I talked about it a little bit before, but I'm really excited about this. Um, I am doing more and more research on the um, light therapy. So infrared light, red light therapy in different wavelengths. And really what we're doing here with, with all of this kind of light therapy and infrared therapy is we're really trying to mimic a lot of the benefits we would normally get from the sun. You know, when we think about the sun, we've always focused on the benefit we get from it uh, because it produces vitamin D in our body. And that's clearly an important benefit. But we've missed out on the fact that the sun does so much more in our body than just produce vitamin D. Our, our entire body is biologically affected by light and different wavelengths of light and specifically sunlight because sunlight is really the only natural light every other well fire and fire actually has some specific wavelengths too that affect our body think about when we were hunter gatherers how much time did we spend being exposed to sunlight Oh, all day, all, every day. Yeah, all day, every day. When the sun was out, we were probably being exposed to it a lot, our entire life. Think about the average American today. How much are they really exposed to sunlight on bare skin? Hardly ever. Yeah. For, for most people, hardly right. ever. Right. If ever. Yeah. Now, there are some people who live a lifestyle where they do get out a lot. You know, if you live around water, you're very familiar with this. You're I think you're uh, your family's half fish from the way it sounds Um, (laughs) very active around the water. That's good. I mean, that probably means you got more exposure to sun on bare skin than the average American does. Yeah, a lot of sun, especially just being in the state of Florida as well. Right. We are. um, you know, you're typically outside. So, well, you know, Dr. Mercola moved from Chicago to Florida just for that reason. 
Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, he I lived, knew he was here, but I didn't yeah, know he, that. He he spent his whole life in Chicago, and it was fairly recently that he moved to Florida. But that was the reason he understood how important sunlight is and grounding. You know, one of the best ways to ground is walk in the shallow water on the beach. I was just saying that yesterday morning. Yeah, salt water conducts electricity far better than anything else. So when you walk in that shallow water right on the edge of the beach, you are getting incredible grounding. Nice. Yeah, Yeah, I do that. try to do that twice a day. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, and Dr. Mercola moved to Florida for that reason. So you could go out, run on the beach, walk on the beach, get all the sun, get the grounding. Um, Pretty incredible. But the average American does not get much exposure to sunlight on bare skin. Uh, Even when you try to make it a point to do it, you're still not getting nearly as much as we did when we lived outside. And that's how we evolved. So part of the protocol, I'm trying to recreate some of these things we're missing in our lifestyle. So we're trying to mimic those benefits we get from the sunlight. And the sunlight contains all of these frequencies of light that we're using. We're now going in and picking out specific frequencies to get the maximum benefit. Um, So I started doing more and more research on this far infrared. You know, we have our blanket in the store, highly recommend it. That's far infrared. Far infrared is light, but we can't see it. Our eyes are not capable of seeing infrared light. Far infrared, we can feel though. We feel it as, well, when you step out into the sun, doesn't it almost feel like when, when the sun is shining directly on you that it's almost like heating you up from the inside out? Yeah, it does. You know, you it get that feeling. So feeling. Yeah, you get that feeling like you can almost feel that heat penetrating into your body. Yep. And it is. That's why you can feel it because that's exactly what's happening. Far infrared light can penetrate deep into our body and it causes us to sweat from deep inside. And that's why it's so good at detoxing. So as hunter gatherers, it was probably common. We spent a good part of our time. And remember, human beings kind of started out in the savanna where it was hot most of the year. We evolved with this constant deep infrared heat from the sun detoxing us. You were active and you were outdoors and you were sweating from this. How often does the average American get out now and expose their skin to a bunch of sunlight and then sweat while they're doing it? Yeah, not enough. Almost never, (laughs) right, yeah. So the infrared blanket is giving us one of those forms of light that is biologically active and detoxing us. So I love the blanket, but there are better products starting to come out on the market now. This is still a pretty new area. So I still use my blanket. If I were in the truck when I travel, that's still one of the best forms of doing this. But I'm working with a company now that has a new technology. They produce far infrared in a different way. 
They're using a different technology to produce the far infrared. And it's really, really clean. Like it's pure far infrared when the other stuff on the market has a little bit of, let's call it kind of static in the signal. Uh, And this new device is much more powerful. So for me, the blanket, if I want to get the maximum benefits out of the blanket, it takes me an hour takes about 30 minutes in the blanket before I really even begin to sweat. And then by about 45 minutes, I'm sweating pretty good. And at the end of the hour, now I'm getting that really deep sweat. So I'm getting all the benefits of far infrared with the blanket, but it takes me an hour to do it. That's a long time. I still have all these other parts of the protocol I have to do. Um, so I try to make the most of it, you know, read while I'm in the blanket, you know, watch, you know, good videos or listen to a good audio book or whatever. But this new technology to generate far infrared, uh, you know, the other day um, you were watching the video when I went down to the biohacking lab. Mm-hmm. Yep. The, Pretty the, cool lab, by the way. Yeah, yeah, I love it down there. The uh, tunnel kind of thing um, where you lay down yeah. and then the tent kind of thing where you're sitting up. Both of those are using this newer form of generating infrared. And I am at a full-blown sweat in 15 minutes. Wow. The, How long do you do it for in total? 20 that's it. 20 is, wow, is that's it? That's I, I, I almost can't do more than 20. I'm sweating so much. It is, it's incredible wow. how powerful these are. I've also now, I, part of my protocol now, so I turn my, also I'm taking another form of light therapy, which includes mid infrared, near infrared and red light therapy, other wavelengths we get from the sun. I have a, a big light bar that produces these and I can fit the light bar inside these other, this tent and the tunnel. So now I'm getting the benefits of all the different light spectrums at the same time in that 20 minutes. Great. Now, to maximize that time even more, I don't know why I didn't think about this before. I thought, while I'm in here for 20 minutes, it takes me about exactly 20 minutes to do four rounds of Wim Hof breathing. Why don't I just do my breathing while I'm in here? There you go. <laughs> and I got to tell you this. I, I This was such an incredible experience. So... You you work out and you're pretty active. You know what it's like when you know you should go do a workout and you just don't want to. You just don't feel like yeah. it today. You know what a struggle that is, right? It's almost an everyday struggle, to it be is. honest. But I know. I get there. I, that's the thing. We know. Why, why, why do we have such a hard time with this? I know when I go do this, I'm going to feel better. And yet I sit there every day and go, you know, I've been pretty good at this lately. One day off isn't going to kill me. Maybe I really. So, <laughs> so the other day I was having one of those days and it was bad. I mean, not only was it a mental thing, I didn't want to go do it. I physically just wasn't feeling good. I didn't sleep much the night before. I didn't have a lot of energy. I was a little nauseous. I'm thinking, God, the last thing I want to go do right now is work out. And 
but I had already taken two days off with that excuse. So I'm like, look, you've already missed two days. Don't fall back into this trap again. We got to stay disciplined on this. We got to get back into the habit. Just push yourself. Just go do it. And at this point, I'm just running on pure willpower. I don't want to go do this at all. It's like the last thing I want to do. So I thought, and this is when I'm just starting to experiment with doing the breathing while I'm in this intense heat. So I go down there, I'm feeling just miserable. So I get in there, I turn the heat on, I'm laying there. I'm like, all right, come on, start doing the breathing. So I hit the app, I start doing the breathing and I am not exaggerating within about a round and a half of breathing. I had this like, breakthrough of euphoria i went from feeling about as bad as i've felt in a while to feeling so good i couldn't even believe it it was such a shocking transformation i i would have never expected anything like this i was giggling i felt so good wow it was just incredible And the other thing that I noticed, and now I've done this multiple days, the breathing while I'm in this heat, I don't notice the heat. It's it's like it's not an uncomfortable sensation at all. And the heat is really intense. I mean, the sweat is just rolling off me. I almost don't notice the heat when I'm doing the breathing. That is great. Yeah. Yeah, you got to try it. So... so you're cutting your, your whole time. It, like by, you're doing all this in a fraction of the time that you typically would. What, what is it like the breakdown actually? Like what does it turn out to be in terms of how much Yeah, time you're so my this? entire routine now, which used to take, God, was it almost two hours? It was an hour in the blanket, yeah, so it was at it was least two. an hour. Yeah, I think it was almost two hours. I'm down to like 45 minutes. Wow, that's incredible. So I also switched my workout from two workouts, push-pull, to three workouts, push-pull, core, and legs. I separated legs out and then added core in. So now each one of my daily workouts is shorter because I'm not doing as many exercises because I added a day and moved some of that stuff out. So now on a three-day routine, you don't have to take any days off if you don't want to, because on a three-day routine, you'll never overtrain. You could just work out every day if you want. You won't overtrain because I'm giving each muscle group over 72 hours to rest in between. And each workout yeah. is now shorter. So that cut time off. So now I go down there and I set my um, timers on the sauna and the light for 20 minutes and it is almost exact. When I finish my fourth round of breathing, that's about the 20 minute mark. So in 20 minutes, I've got all of my light therapies all at the same time. And I got my breathing in, in 20 minutes. Now my workouts on the X3 bar are now, they're really no more than 10 minutes now. I, I, I'm, done, I'm only doing like three movements per day. So I get those done in like 10 minutes or less. I, I'm at 30 minutes now. And the only thing left on my protocol is the shower, the cold shower, which I have to take a shower anyway. So in essence, yeah. I, I'm really, I've got that two hour protocol down to about 30 minutes now. That is incredible. 
Because I was going to say, I mean, I mean, it is pretty difficult to commit a whole two it hours, is. especially because one hour in the sauna blanket. Yeah. But you got it done 45 minutes? 45 minutes. That, that's wonderful. Yeah. Ever, anyone can do that then. Yes. Yep. Now, now I have a question because I know that you're getting your exercise in, but after doing some more research on movement and the importance of seeing the stats, oh my gosh, it's, it's mind boggling. Yeah, it is. Um, <laughs> it's scary. Um, what, especially for our audience who's driving so much and, you know, this is your livelihood and we have to figure out a way to incorporate organic movement in our everyday life. We just, we really do. We, we have to. And so I'm wondering in regards to actual movement, like organic movement, what it, what is your day like? Because, you know, I sit a lot at the computer um, and it's not ideal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I know that a lot of people do that. <laughs> I'd say the majority of people are sitting down while they work. Yes. Um, so in terms like for you, since you have a little more flexibility, what is your like organic movement? Like what is your day to day like? I know that every once in a while you'll get up and walk outside in the garden. So um, can you tell us a little bit about organic movement? Yeah, so, and let's, I'll kind of talk about what I do, but at the same time, I'll talk about what I would do if I were back in the truck. Because that's really okay, what great. we're trying to develop is, you know, we're trying to develop ways for people in a truck to do this. So I'll start there. If I were back in a truck, here's the first thing I would do. Uh, one of our new rules around hours of service, which didn't exist when I was still driving, was we are required now to log a 30-minute break. During, sometime during the day, oh. you have got to take 30 minutes off and show it on your log that you were out of the seat, you weren't moving, you took a break. The, the routine only takes a total of 45. That's with the shower. So I would make it a habit that my 30-minute break would become my routine. That would be an everyday thing. It's a perfect trigger. It's the easiest way to develop a habit. Have a trigger, be consistent. You have a trigger every day. You have to take this 30 minute break. Use that as the trigger to be the time where you're gonna do your workout. You're gonna do your routine. So, and I know you're asking more about organic other than that specific routine, but that's the one thing I would do as a driver. I would just make that my trigger and my habit. My 30 minute break would be my workout routine. And I got to tell you this, I would take it later in the day, later in my workday, because it absolutely energizes you. I mean, you feel fantastic. I used to love to start my day with a workout. I've always worked out in the morning. I changed that. I already feel good in the morning. I get up, I feel great. You know, sometimes there's bad night of sleep. I got to struggle a little bit, but mornings are good for me. I feel good. I'm happy. I, so now I figured why waste that workout in the morning? Wait till later in the day when I'm feeling a slump. Uh, you know, my mood may have dropped a little bit. My energy levels are down. Then go do this routine and you feel twice as good as you did in the morning anyway. So that's the one change I would make as a driver. I would make that, that break later in the day and I would do this routine during the break. And even if I put a whole hour into it, 
Well, then I would just take an hour off instead of 30 minutes. But in general, the one thing we have to start doing, all of us, no matter what we do all day long, we just have to look for those little things that add up and get us more movement. You said we sit at the computer. Well, stop sitting at the computer. Stand. That's a, that's a, a simple change. I no longer, I used to sit when I did my show. And I got thinking, if all I do is just get up and stand or walk a little bit while I'm doing the show, that's 15 hours a week for me. That's a lot. 15 hours a week of standing and and kind of pacing instead of 15 hours a week of sitting. That's a big difference. Huge difference. Yeah. So think about (laughs) things in your life that, that... if you have to be at a computer, get a walking desk. Hell, it's so easy to make one. You get yourself a treadmill, cut a piece of board to lay across there, put your laptop on it, and do some work while you're walking on a treadmill. You know, create a walking yeah. desk. Standing still is much better than sitting. It, it requires all of our core muscles to activate to, to allow us to stand up. So that's better than sitting. Then... You know, I used to have the mindset, you know, when you're in business or you're setting goals, you try to do things efficiently, right? We even have a show called Trucking Technology and Deficiency. So my whole life, I've been focused on efficiency. How do you do more with less energy? That's like a mindset. So during my day, I, you know, if I had to walk from my office to the kitchen, before I would take the walk, I'd think, what else can I do during that time so I don't have to walk twice? I would try to be really, really efficient. And then I thought, wait a minute. Why are you trying to be so damn efficient? What are you trying to save here? You know, saving fuel or time in a business, eh, that might be important, but what am I really trying to save? You know, don't take too many trips up and down the stairs. Be more efficient. Think about what you, well, no, I I now want to be really, really inefficient. I want to go up and down the stairs 10 times a day instead of two. So I, I don't think about those things anymore. I'll go up and down the stairs to go get one thing and 15 minutes later, I'll do it again. And that may sound like something really simple, but if you take that mindset, you'll notice that all of a sudden getting 10,000 steps a day is just my norm now. I don't even think about it. Yeah, that's the same thing. There are little things that you can do every day. So if you're getting out of a car or getting out of a truck and you're walking to a store, you can park further away. Exactly. Yes. You can opt to carry your groceries to the car as opposed to, you know, pushing a cart to the car. Good idea. So you're getting a little upper body strength. Yep. You know, there are definitely opportunities, um, you know, to get a little more movement in. I, I definitely agree. But if you did have to sit, I'd say even, you know, getting up every hour just to, just to like walk around your desk if, if that's if that's all you can do. I mean, walk to go get a glass of water you know, pour yourself smaller glasses of water throughout the day. So when you finish that one, you're forced to get up and go get another one. Good point. Or, yep. or, um, if you, you know, if you prefer to sit, sit on a yoga ball, one of those big, you know, blow up balls, sit on that, or they even make those balancing discs or they're, they're about the size of a, of a 
feet. And so you can sit on that and which that'll engage your, you know, what you were talking about engaging your core better. So that's always a good option. There's a bunch of stuff that you can do for sure. I am uh, standing on a balance board. Oh, (laughs) what does that one look like? Um, Well, are you in front of your computer? I am. Go look it up. It's called fluid stance. One word. Oh, cool. It yeah. looks like a kind of like a wakeboard or a snowboard. <laughs> yeah, similar. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So sometimes during my show, I pace and sometimes I just balance on, on my balance board. Oh, I like that. Yeah. So and that's I, also really great for, um, for supporting muscles and ligaments in your lower part of your leg. Yes. Like people don't realize that, yep. you know, they, if you don't use them properly, if you're not walking enough, if you're not you know, just utilizing them, those will start to tire out. So that's actually a great way to, to strengthen those. Yeah. So I, I love my balance board. Um, the, the you know driving we that's the the one challenge I've every time I talk to anybody who knows anything about health I always throw this out there just trying to get some ideas you know what do we do for a driver who has his income is generated by how many miles he can drive in a day and he's limited by a logbook to how many hours he's allowed to drive and you know we tell people who work in offices we just said it. You know, get get smaller glasses of water so you have to get up more often. Well, that's easy when you're sitting in an office and to go get a glass of water takes all of 30 seconds. But if I try to tell a driver you need to take more breaks and get out of the truck during the day, stopping a truck, finding a place to park, getting out, getting a little bit of walking, getting back in, getting back out on the road, you can easily lose an hour. Yeah, I could see that for sure. Most days they can't afford an hour. That's why I say, you know, we have to take that 30-minute break. Use that time for your routine. Be very, very specific about using that time. Otherwise, I get it. You're you're going to stay in the seat. You're going to drive. And then what we have to do is we have to maximize that time when you're not driving. Because there's not much we can do that's going to help while you're driving. I even hesitate to talk to people about trying to stretch while you're in that seat. The problem there is somebody's going to come along screaming a lawsuit. You know, you're teaching people to do this stuff while they're driving. That's unsafe. And, you know, I would just say you determine that yourself. It's just not something we're going to promote heavily um, just because of a reason like that. So there's not much you're going to be able to do while you're driving. We, we need to maximize the time when you're not driving. So use your 30-minute break. Use your, your time off to work these things in. The one you just talked about, so simple. Don't park as close as you can to your destination. Park as far away from it as you can and walk to it. Yep. That's only going to put an extra minute, add an extra minute to your, exactly. uh, right. to your parking if you're parking already. So, right. yeah, I totally agree. Uh, just, you know, maximize the opportunities that you have when you have them is what is, I guess, the best advice. But in terms of the stretching for drivers, I feel like there are a couple that wouldn't really affect, you know, putting them in danger, like a back stretch, for instance, you know, 
sitting is obviously we know sitting is not good. And I'll go over a few stats there, but to stretch your, you know, your lower back and your lower back and increase blood flow, just shifting, you know, your hips forward, kind of forming an arch in your back and holding that for a couple seconds and then doing the opposite, kind of like a cat cow um, posture while you're sitting in your seat. That's not enough to put you in any, at any risk. Um, I would think, and then just shrugging your shoulders up and down every once in a while, just get those loosened up, you know? Yeah. You know, one of the other things I used to do when I drive, actually still do, there's still one in my coach right next to the driver's seat. Um, the little hand exercises that you squeeze. Oh yeah. Those are awesome to do while you're driving. There you go. That's another thing you can do. But I mean, even just, you know, practicing sitting up like taller with your shoulders back and kind of like having a string pulling you from the top of your head and just breathing. (laughs) I feel like we just don't do that enough. I mean, I drive a lot. I mean, when I say a lot, nowhere near what a lot of people are driving, but... But I'm back and forth. I go down and visit my family. It's a four-hour drive. Four hours is kind of my limit before I have to get out of the car. Um, and I got to say, it, you know, I, ha- I have to do some kind of movement. And I keep a ball. Um, it's, it's actually it's like a rubber ball. It's attached to a rope so that I can swing it behind me and kind of massage my shoulders if I'm getting all tight. Or I'll kind of, you know, put it in the seat behind me and roll it on my back. Um, but yeah, even just four hours for me makes a big difference. That yeah. sitting. And then I make sure always that I have, luckily my car, even though it's, it's fairly old, it still has um, lumbar, lumbar support. So it has something that kind of fills up with air. And, you know, providing lumbar support goes a really long way. Yeah, Most seats I know kind of, forms like a, I don't know if it's, if the bucket is the proper word, but it forces you to tuck your hips under. Right. And you're not really sitting properly when you're sitting that way. That's a good point. So yeah. for making sure you have lumbar support, I mean, even if that means buying something specifically that you can put in your lower back. Yeah. Um, they make lumbar pillows. Like fairly thin. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would think that would go a long way as well. I'm just thinking about Really, this whole movement thing idea for today's show came from a call that we had last week where it was a young guy and he called in and asked about his back pain. And I kept thinking about, you know, how how common it must be for, for drivers to have back pain because you're sitting in a, in a not ideal, you know, way for very long periods of time, most of your day, I'm assuming. And so it's only natural because even when I fly in a plane or drive four hours, my hips lock up and I have to ensure that I'm getting proper stretching in that. I mean, even now, like I came back on Sunday from visiting my family down South and my hips are completely locked up. I've done two yoga sessions last night after dinner. I stretched on the ground for probably another 30 minutes. And I can tell it's getting better, but that's just from sitting. And that's from only sitting 
you know, <laughs> one, drive down there. One day for four hours, right. These guys do that <laughs> 10 hours a day every day. Yeah. Yeah. That's a lot of sitting. It is. So, yeah. If you want, I can talk about some of the downsides of sitting just to, you know, raise a little awareness. Things that you may not have connected. Um, sure. Impaired circulation, I feel like, is an obvious one. You know, if your legs get tired and swollen or achy, blood and fluid can pull to, like, the bottom of your legs from, you know, not getting up and moving around. Um, And then is that pain uh, that we're talking about? We we call that sausage toes. Oh, you do. You have a name for it. You know, every now and then, if you're oh. if you're just sitting in one of those weird positions, you can that can happen, and and you look down and you're like, "What the hell happened to my feet?" You know, it looks like somebody inflated them. Yeah. Um, yeah so so you, you, we got to break up that time as much as possible, and I know that's difficult for drivers. I get it. Um, you got to you got to break it up as much as you can. I know you got to get your driving time in. That just means we have to work extra hard as a driver to overcome that. Yeah. Well, I also didn't realize as well that that weight gain is also increased, and it's because of an activity enzyme that I had no idea about until recently. Um, there's an enzyme that helps you burn fat. And if you're sitting down, apparently you're not producing this enzyme as much. It's um, lipoprotein lipase. Yep. And I had no idea. But, I mean, it makes sense. I mean, the obvious thing about, you know, burning calories when you move, that's so obvious. But I didn't realize that there was an enzyme involved in it as well. And then um, we talked a little bit about bone density issues and bone density huge, you know, calcium and phosphorus, phosphorus, very important for strong bones and it decreases, you know, that mineral density without forming. Okay. So basically it breaks down the density without rebuilding the bone because we talked about weight bearing exercise and how you're essentially like, breaking bone down but then it's building it back up stronger which is not happen happening if you're not getting proper exercise and you're sitting too much so really important to just you know like we said to move and more importantly some weight bearing exercises that you've been talking about yeah i i am really really convinced that your primary focus on all of this should be resistance training that should be your primary yeah. focus. If you're only going to do one thing, it should be some form of resistance. Uh, if you want to do that and then add other forms of cardio. And uh, honestly, I think the best way to get movement is to take up activities that you enjoy doing. Um, you know, you talked mm-hmm. about free diving. I mean, what an awesome thing that does for your health. And it, do you, it, what do you feel, like, what's, what's harder to get up and go do, free diving or spending an hour on the treadmill inside of a gym? Definitely a treadmill <laughs> on a gym. <laughs> yeah. There's no so, comparison. Yeah, so it, to find, you know, what you formally should be doing in a routine should be resistance training of some sort. 
then find activities that get you your cardio. You know, if you really love to run, I guess go run. Um, but I'd much rather play tennis or, you know, water ski or, or find some activity, preferably outdoors, and do it as often as you can outdoors. But on your formal training protocol, whatever you're going to do, it should be focused heavily on resistance training, not cardio. Yeah, that's a good point. Very good point. You know, another thing that sparked this conversation today was I've been doing a lot more research on, I get a lot of calls with people who have gout and I've really, there's so much to learn about uric acid. Uh, yeah. And I started reading. Did you hear that? Were you the one who recommended drop acid? It's yeah. Not, it's not what you think. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I started talking about it. I pre-ordered it as soon as he announced it. And it was probably like a year ago. Uh-huh. And you waited for a long time for it to come out. And I kept talking about it. And I was so excited. And honestly, after I read the book, I was a little disappointed. I really thought there was going to be new stuff. And honestly, almost everything I read in there, it works, it makes sense, but it's almost all the stuff we're already talking about doing anyway. There really wasn't much new in there. No, not for what, you know, what we're helping people with in terms of, it just happens to be that uric acid increases with, you know, an, an, an unhealthy lifestyle, which you and I obviously are promoting a very healthy lifestyle. Um, so I see what you're getting at there, but I thought it was really interesting that there's a study that shows that people who spend 10 plus hours a day sitting are more likely to have higher levels of uric acid than those who spend oh, less than yeah. five hours a day. I, I love the book for that kind of information. I learned a lot about uric yeah. acid. What I was hoping to learn was a lot of new things on how to lower it. And for the most part, yeah. most of his advice on lowering was all the same advice we already give people. But yeah, you're right. Exactly. I, I learned a ton about what uric acid does in the body and all kinds of crazy new stuff. I was just a little disappointed that I didn't really learn much new on how to improve it. Yeah, I, I got you now. Okay. Yeah, because there was a ton of information about uric acid and all these different, you know, these different, you know, stats and different um, studies done on it. And it's been studied for so long, but it's, it's like never really discussed much. Right. So it's right. kind of shocking. Yeah. So his whole goal was to compile all that information and to make it readily available for those who want to have it before you know, it catches up in the medical field and doctors are, you know, because I guess apparently it takes like 20 years for something to catch up in the medical field. (laughs) Sometimes sometimes longer. Yeah, sometimes longer. longer. And we're talking about that after it's been proven to work. We're not talking about from the first time somebody speculated on something. We're, we're talking about from the time we had absolute proof, this is what works. It'll take the medical community almost 20 years to fully integrate that advice, if they ever do. Exactly. Which is, I mean, what a disservice. Yes. <laughs> yes. So, so I have to really give him credit for compiling that information 
and putting it all in one place where it's easy to read and, you know, just kind of giving doctors an opportunity if they do come across it, that it's all there and they can incorporate it in their practice. But I think he's a really fascinating guy as well. He was the one that wrote Grain Brain. Correct. He's the one? Yeah, Perlmutter. Yep. Yeah, he's, I want to, I'd like to read a lot more of his books. I don't really know what else he wrote, but Uh, I was really impressed. Those are the two big ones, really. I mean, I, he co-authored another book. I can't remember the title of that one. No, his his information is top-notch. And, and I learned a ton about uric acid in that book and all the things it does in the body and, you know, all kinds of crazy stuff. Um, but, and, you know, it, it really, I said I was looking for something new, but what more do new do we need? Yeah. We, we know all this stuff works. We just have to do more of it. We don't need to learn anything new, really. We just need to do more of what we already know. Yeah, exactly. I know. It's just, I was hoping as well to have a little extra pearl of, you know, of wisdom here. Just because, you know, when I work, when I work with someone who tells me that they're not drinking a lot of alcohol, they're not, they aren't not, ingesting a lot of fructose it's it's a little frustrating it's like well, so okay the well, other then what's going on the other thing to watch for um watch for oxalates in their diet oxalates yes the oxalates Definitely. will but most of the people that we work with are not well well okay so i i have a question for you and your opinion on things that are high in oxalates because so oxalates, is it because of the purines in them? Well, the oxalates... Or purines the, turn to oxalate. The oxalate itself can form crystals just like uric acid can. Okay. So when you think about kidney stones and gallstones, those are oxalate stones. Yeah. So that yeah. oxalate can do the same thing in a joint. It can form an oxalate crystal and aggravate the joint the same way a gout crystal would form, uh, uh, hurt the joint. Got it. When you think of oxalates, are you thinking from the from like a vegetable yeah. side of things? Or? Yeah. So I, yeah. I, 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 this is personal experience for me that I kept thinking I've never had gout in my life. I wasn't even close to having gout. Why do I have this gout like pain? Doesn't make any sense. I'm doing mm-hmm. all the right things like you just said. I'm doing all the things he says in that book. I'm eating right. I'm you know and why do I still keep getting this? And it turns out that yeah. I, I was trying to chase uric acid as the problem when it turns out that my problem was actually high oxalates. And you start looking at some of the foods that I was eating a lot of. I, I love dark chocolate. I was eating dark chocolate every day. That's a lot of oxalates. During the summer when I'm growing mm. beets, man, I love roasted or steamed beets with a bunch of butter and salt and pepper. They're loaded with oxalates. I, we tend to eat a lot of nuts. 
you know, on a keto or, you know, carnivore diet, we, we throw in all the nuts. Now we're adding more oxalates. If we're told we should be eating a lot of greens, well, greens are loaded with oxalates. So all these foods that we're told are really, really healthy are also really high in oxalates. Ah, that's a good point. Yeah. So I've tested this over and over and over. If I consume dark chocolate and beets every day, I will end up with gout-like pain. Wow. So you're like right there on the border of it. Yeah, I can eat dark chocolate daily if I watch the other sources of oxalates that I'm eating. When my beets start to ripen and I'm going to eat them because I like them and I know there are lots of things in beets that are good for me, I'll have to cut other oxalates out of my diet. Got it. Nice. Well, there we go. Again, it's always about balance. Yeah, so if you're chasing gout pain and, you know, getting uric acid under control doesn't seem to be helping at all, look to oxalates next. Good advice. All right. So, a few other things. A few other facts here that we have. All right, let's see. Um, Okay. A study of over 100,000 U.S. adults found that those who sat for more than six hours a day had up to 40% greater risk of death over the next 15 years than those who sat for less than three. So, the most important takeaway from this study was that... 40%? Who's thought about that? Yeah. That's a lot. That's a lot. Holy cow. Then it said that that this effect occurred regardless of whether the participants were exercising. That it's just that they're excluding regular exercise, like a 30-minute exercise or like an hour exercise. They're excluding those from the study um, so that they can come up with a more, you know, a more detailed stat based on just sitting, which I thought was crazy. Yeah. So, Sheesh. I know. I had no idea until I started digging, by the way. Um, you know, I do know, and it makes sense because, you know, they say after every, the recommendation is for every hour that you're sitting, that you get up and move around for two minutes, which is interesting because if I can remember correctly, I used to own an Apple Watch. And I think that's exactly what they set the watch that to. That sounds right. Is, yeah, I think so. Yeah. It kind of like buzzes you as a reminder, hey, you've been sitting. You got to get two minutes of movement in. Yeah. And I remember thinking, I remember doing it every time it buzzed. And I was thinking, gosh, there's no way people are doing this. <laughs> yeah. It starts to get <laughs> annoying. After a while, it's just annoying. Absolutely. I know. I know. So, you know, we got to go back to that thing where, you know, instead of thinking this is, you know, we have to do this, we have to set this alarm, that will annoy you, you'll get tired of it. You really have to start trying to design your lifestyle so that you just move more naturally, that it's not being forced, that you're not, you know, 
pissed off because your watch tells you you have to get up again and go walk around. I mean, you just we, we have to really look hard at how do we tweak our lifestyle so that we just move more naturally. I love it. I have a couple ideas. Good. Instead of walking to the closest bathroom, walk to the furthest bathroom in the house. <laughs> there you go. That, that goes back to that um, whole thing of, of be less efficient in your movement. Try to be very inefficient. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Then you're just forcing it in. Um, what about things that we're doing that we're typically sitting or just standing where people can get lazy? I think of like brushing your teeth in the morning. Sometimes I catch myself or even when I'm washing the dishes, even though I'm standing, sometimes I'll catch myself leaning against the counter <laughs> as opposed to standing straight. I think about it. Though. No, you're Wait, right. You're right. I, but you know what? Let, let's let's think about something again. I, we're going to go back to the whole hunter gatherer model. And I have you watched the show alone yet? I've only seen a couple episodes. Yeah, it's not the greatest show. I even talk about this. It moves a little slow, but there's so much good information in there. So when we talk about, when you talk about leaning against the counter, like, why did you do that? What what causes us? Well, here's the thing. And you, you get a little bit of this when you watch the show. And this is also where I'm starting to realize that plant food was really not a big part of our diet. You watch that show, and first off, you know, I've spent an awful lot of time in the woods. I have never seen an edible vegetable in the woods. Have you? Have you ever seen, Mm. like, a head of broccoli just growing somewhere in the woods? (laughs) No. Have you ever seen a bell pepper? Definitely not. No, if anything, you see, like, berries. Uh, berries okay we can see berries and we could see maybe apples apples are pretty common you can find apples a lot in in the united states other than that have have you ever found green beans growing in the wild no cucumbers never no so all these vegetables that we talk about eating they they don't even exist in the wild I can't find anything that looks like food when I walk around in the woods. What the hell would you eat? And when you watch this show alone, these people are, they know this stuff. They know how to forage. They know what plants are edible and what aren't. But I will tell you, they are miserable eating those plants. They're not broccoli and, you know, cucumbers and tomatoes. And they're, it's stuff like, the one thing the guy was eating was some form of moss and he had to rinse it over and over and over like 30 minutes before it's even edible and then when he's eating even though he's starving you can tell he's just miserable eating this stuff and then there are some negative consequences to it people were having all kinds of digestive issues trying to eat some of this stuff and and when they eat animals none of that happens they love that food like most of this plant food they have to eat they can barely choke it down even though they're starving and yet when they get an animal and they kill an animal changes everything it 
tastes good. They yeah. want to eat it. It's nutritious. It's loaded with fat and energy. And, and you just see that the whole hunter-gatherer thing, we did a lot more hunting. And here's, I want to come back to my point on this, is they even start to realize. I, there was an episode the other day, and the guy was like, God, I really need food. Um, I haven't had any luck fishing or hunting you know I, I need to go gather some more moss and some berries but he had to stop and think am i going to burn more calories trying to gather all of this food than i'm going to get from the food and if that's the case yeah. then just don't go you're 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 heading backwards in that at that point you're burning off more calories and nutrition than you're getting back and eventually you will die so our, our, our bodies are designed and programmed to try to be efficient around calories. So your body leaned against the counter to save calories. You're programmed that way. That's how we survived in the wild. If we weren't careful about how we used our calories and our energy, we could die. Well, that's not the case anymore. <laughs> exactly. Now we're, we're, there are calories everywhere. Nobody is starving to death anymore. But our body... Well, even 100 years ago, we were constantly moving every day. If you wanted water, you had to walk to the well. If you wanted to talk to your neighbors, you walked over there. <laughs> Today, yeah. people would sit at their desk and in front of the television and pick up a phone. But hey, if you want to talk to someone down the road, why don't you walk over there and talk to them? Yeah. Get a little extra movement in. <laughs> yeah. We just have to remember our bodies are programmed in a way that no longer works for our lifestyle. If you have to go live in the yeah. wild, your body constantly trying to conserve calories is what will keep you alive. In our world today, your body's attempt to constantly control that is killing us. It's the opposite now. We, it, 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 if you just stand there and think about how you feel just standing, you'll probably notice that there's actually an urge to sit down instead, right? It, it, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Why? I hate to admit that. Yes. I know. I know. We don't want to admit that we're lazy sloths, but that's how we're programmed and that's how we survived. We didn't waste calories. That's true. That is true. I mean, we were, we've evolved into, you know, these long legged, stubby toed, big brain <laughs> creatures that walk on two feet for yeah. a reason. <laughs> yeah. And, and we are, we're designed to be athletes, really. We're designed to move. Yep. We really are. And, but then our brains will always fall back to that programming of conserve calories because that's what keeps you alive. Yeah, exactly. Speaking of, did you ever see the movie Wally? I think it was by Disney. It may have been a Pixar, but it was called Wally and it was a, a dystopian future where like earth is run over with garbage and devoid of plant and animal life. No, I haven't And the seen consequences, that. oh my goodness, the consequences of years of environmental degradation um, is, you know, it, it sensed like all the surviving humans are living on a spaceship after vacating earth. 
And there's only like Wally is the name of like some kind of uh, artificial intelligence that's, that's oh, okay. left there to to like look for any sign of life. And I think his friend is a cockroach because it's like the only thing that survived <laughs> other than him. <laughs> okay. But, but my point is they did a really good job, in my opinion, kind of showing. So at, at some point, it's, I, I think it's just at the end of the movie, they show you the spaceship and these humans. And I'm sending you two photos of like screenshots that I grabbed a bit, but basically they show humans, they're obese and large and they're, they're like, they cannot move. They're like stuck <laughs> in these, um, hovering lazy boy chairs. With oh boy. Yeah. And individual screens floating in front of them and they move around with a joystick hey, and they've are, never had any. Are you, are you sure you weren't watching my 600 pound life? <laughs> I mean, it sounds like it. It's about the same. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I just I just uh, messaged you a couple screenshots from it. It's hilarious. And then at some point, these a few of these humans fall off their chairs, and they literally are helpless. They cannot stand up because <laughs> oh they've never stood up before. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. But uh. it's kind of, I thought it was pretty funny that they put it in a you know, in like a animation yeah. movie showing like the future of the, humans. It's like how they depicted what humans are going to look like in the future. And I, I was just thinking, wow, we're not that far off. We're not that far off. No, that's exactly right. Um, I, I've made this comment before that uh, human beings don't look like human beings anymore. Yeah, I know. And what are we going to look like in the future I had, I read something a while back and I have no idea where I read it, but they compared future humans evolving into basically what looks like an alien with skinny long fingers so that they can easily, you know, type and use their fingers, you know, you know, instead of like having like big massive hands to like do things. It's like long, skinny fingers, like ET. huge eyeballs. Like yeah, ET. like ET. He had long yeah, fingers exactly. and big like eyeballs, e. and right. And big eyeballs so that you can see the screen really well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that's kind of scary. Right. Yeah. It's very scary. Yeah. Oh man. Oh. oh. All right. So uh, we're gonna do live Q and A today, right? Yes, we are. We're going to continue. Oh, real quick, I'll throw out. If anybody wants to call in right now, we'll wait a couple minutes. If you have a comment, a question, a topic, we'll wait a couple minutes, see if we have any here. If not, we'll uh, we'll take a break here, and then we'll head over for the live. Um, what time do you want to do it? I ate earlier today, so I could do it whenever. I don't okay. need too long of a break. Got it. Okay. But it depends on you. Yeah. Well, we can. I'm uh, pretty excited. I I picked up. So I told you how I have a. It's kind of. It's like a tower. It's a tower garden. It's hydroponic. Oh yeah. And I haven't been able to put any plants in it because I cleaned it out probably over a month ago now. And they the store that 
cells, like all the seedlings, which is just like the easiest way to, you know, to start it. Um, they only take orders certain times of the day and I would always forget anyway, or certain times of the week. And I just went and picked up a bunch of seedlings today. I'm so excited about it. Oh, cool. Cool. So yeah, so it'll be an experiment uh, on this because I've played around with a couple of those kind of indoor grow systems like that. Um, when you say seedlings, is this a plant that you buy and put in there, or is it a seed pod? Yeah. So they, they no, they start the the growing process for you. So okay. I'll take a photo, and um, or actually, I can bring them to. I can bring the the little. It's very very small little. Um, kind of like a plastic crate where they're all living right now because I picked it up just before the show. Oh, yeah. And I'll show everyone on the Q&A how they start. But yeah, they're basically little plants that I've already started. And then you go ahead and, which is very convenient because now the growing, the growing time is going to be, you know, much quicker considering you have to wait for like the first little seedling to sprout and all of that. Yeah. so, yeah, so I'm excited. I'm going to go ahead and put them in the tower this afternoon and kind of just play around with it and see, you know, the challenging thing seems to be certain things grow enormously <laughs> and they start kind of overcrowding the other things. So, oh my, <laughs> I've had, um, I've had cutting celery, which actually turned into to huge celery right. and I've had cucumbers that I had to, you know, hang on the fence behind it. <laughs> the right. Tower. right. And I had tomatoes that were basically all of these things were pulling so much water from the tower that I had to keep adding water. Like, Constantly. Almost, yeah. Goodness. Um, yeah. Constantly. To, every few days. Yeah. Tomatoes are notorious for using a lot of water. Well, that's when I had the big water problem. Those and the cucumbers. My cucumbers yeah. got enormous. Yeah. So yeah. I, I had to. So now I'm, I'm kind of playing around with it to see what makes sense to actually grow. Like, I don't think cucumbers were really I, ideal. The ones that I had were enormous. <laughs> they, uh, so you know, I, it was a trail of cucumbers. So here's, here's a challenge for you. Uh huh. Do you like dill pickles? I love dill pickles. So start growing instead of big slicing cucumbers. You want to get the varieties that are called pickling cucumbers. Um, oh. Yeah, there are several good. So they're smaller? Much smaller. Much, much smaller. They And they look like, you know how like when you get a big slicing cucumber, the skin is really smooth? Yeah. But when you look at a dill pickle, it's always bumpy. Yeah. Mine was kind of a mixture of both. Mine was slicing. So those are pickling cucumbers. Now, if you leave them on the vine, they will keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger, but you'll, it, it still looks like a big dill pickle. It doesn't look like a slicing cucumber, but you can pick these cucumbers at any size you want. So you figure out Ooh, I like that. what yeah. size do you like these? Do you like them really small? Do you like to let them grow a little bigger? Um, but then I know you keep talking about you want to get into fermenting. This is one of the best fermenting projects to get started with. Get yourself a big jar because you can grow a lot of cucumbers. I have one. Get yourself a big fermenting jar. Mix up your brine and fill it with brine. And then every time you get a cucumber the size you want, just pick it and throw it in the brine. 
Oh, I like that idea. Yeah. How long do you typically pickle them for? Um, you know, one, oh, here, a couple tricks too. Um, one, I love garlic in my dill pickles. So I put a ton of garlic in there. Um, I like some heat. So I'll throw some habaneros or some jalapenos in there to ferment with them and then add some either bay leaf or grape leaf. And what that does is the tannins in the bay leaf or the grape leaf will keep the skin of the cucumber really crisp. So you'll get that really nice snap of the pickle. The skin won't get soft. So typically I like a really strong sour pickle. So I'll let mine ferment sometimes almost a month. I mean, you can ferment a pickle in about four days. You can get a fermented pickle in about four days. I usually let mine go three weeks to a month and get that really strong kind of sour taste and then the garlic and the heat. And then after that, the jar goes in the refrigerator. I still have about a gallon of pickles from last season's garden that are still good. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, so once you ferment so you them and stick them in the refrigerator. Yeah, yeah, I just make up the brine in a big jar at the beginning of the season because cucumbers, the little ones, they'll keep coming all throughout the season. So I just make up the brine in a big jar ahead of time and I just throw pickles in all season long. So some of my pickles are fermenting for probably two months. And then when I put the oh, final okay. pickle in and fill it up, I'll leave it there for another week or two. And then you're, you've got a big old jar of really, really healthy garlic dill pickles. I love that. And then you can have them basically all year. Like I said, I just ate one out of the jar. I'm like, I can't believe this is still good. Been in there a year. They're still amazing. Yeah, pickles. Yeah, anything... As long as it's refrigerated, anything fermented, I feel sick for quite some time. Oh, we, I, we, we keep, you know, we, people will call in and go, hey, I found this jar of, you know, fermented stuff in the back of my refrigerator from last year. Is it still good? And I'll say, is there any mold on it? Nope. Smell okay? It smells sour like it should. It's still good. Eat it. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. And the, yeah. the most important thing, as long as there's no fuzziness, <laughs> no mold yeah, going on. That's right. It. We don't, yeah, we don't want any, if it's got a beard, get rid of it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, I love it. All right. Yeah. So I have, I have a, a fun project, a fun garden project that I'll be able to keep everyone updated on here in the next There you months. go. That's exciting. I love that. It is exciting. I know. It's been a while, so I'm All excited right. about it. We've got a call. Let's uh, let's take it. Then we'll take a break. Then we'll uh, come back with uh, live Q and A. Uh, Terrence, in South Carolina, welcome. What's up? How's it going? Uh, are you going to put that um, that workout on the healthy drive? Which which ones to do, or can you say what they how you do them? Yeah, I'm going to. Uh, I'm, I'm still tweaking it a little bit. Um, I'm looking to add a couple more movements on the push and pull day because I'm actually down to only three. So I think I'm going to add at least one more to each day. So I have at least four movements each day Uh, and then I will post it and I'm going to reach out to Garmin because I'm sure they're going to want me to update it on the watch as well. 
That's all I got, man. All right. Thank you. That's all I needed. Thanks. That was easy. All right. Um, <laughs> Lauren, did we get you an X3 bar yet? No. We need to I've get you an X3 photos bar. photos of it. Is it, it, will I be able to pull it? Oh, yeah, well, it comes with the multiple different bands. Some of the bands are super, super easy. So it's kind of like weights. You just do whatever weight is good for you at that moment. Like, I wouldn't give you a 45-pound dumbbell and tell you to do, you know, one-arm curls with it. I'd give you a, a five-pound dumbbell and get you started. Same thing here. You just start with a really light band. Got it. Got it. Yeah, I definitely would use it. Yeah, it's, uh, I got a note here. We'll get one sent down to you. Um, pretty incredible. 10 minutes a day. And and the one thing I want to go back to, and then we'll wrap this up. And uh, I think what we're going to do is at 1045, uh, my time. So roughly when we quit, okay. we'll take awesome. about a 15-minute break. Then we'll come back and uh, launch the live at healthytribe.com. I, I do want to go back to the idea of strength, though. So, you know, when we look at the population of the United States and the population of truck drivers, um, we're getting older. It, it, we're, it's all the baby boomers. Um, we're getting close to retirement age. Most retirees are on multiple prescriptions. And it, what's the single biggest risk to senior citizens, do you think, health-wise? Uh, oh. I think we actually mentioned this the I other mean, day. I mean, breaking bones. Yeah, falls. I think we did. Is it bones? Falls, yeah. Yeah, yeah falls. and... You know, I, I listen to, um, I have a police scanner and most of the day I just leave it on and I kind of listen okay. to what's going on. Um, I am shocked, absolutely shocked by the number of calls it, and it's a lift assist. That's the term they use. They, you know, the alarm goes off, the call comes out, you know, please respond to this address for a lift assist. And what that means is somebody old fell on the ground and they need help getting up. That is so common. It is all day long on the scanner. And what we now know is people fall because they are weak. They're weak and they're frail. And there is no reason to get weak as we get older. 10 minutes a day with the X3 bar and you will never be weak. You will continue to get stronger and stronger. You know, I want to be that 80-year-old that, you know, kick some teenager's ass because he threw a beer can on my lawn or something, you know? I don't want to be old and weak and frail. <laughs> I just don't. I agree. And then what happens when they fall, they break a bone because their bones are brittle. Well, didn't we say that resistance training stops that from happening too? Yeah, I know. So I the, love that. So what leads up to the end for most senior citizens is they fall because their muscles were weak and couldn't support them properly. And then when they fall, they break their bone because their bone was brittle and then they die. I mean, it won't be long. That is the beginning of the end. They go downhill from there. They end up dying. That's a very, very common scenario. And 10 minutes a day would eliminate that problem completely. You wouldn't get so weak that you would just fall over for no apparent reason. And if you do fall, you're not going to break bones. Yeah, I totally agree with you. 
It's so important and no one talks about it enough. Not enough. And and as we get older, it becomes more and more important. Now, lots of people work out in their 20s. Why do they work out in their 20s? Why are they more motivated to do it then? Doesn't, to look good, I guess. Exactly. <laughs> it attracts the opposite sex, doesn't it? I mean, come on. When, when yeah. somebody's fit yeah. and trim and muscular, they look good. They're attractive to look at. That's, that's why we're more motivated to do it when we're young. But it's far more important to do it when we're old. Yeah, I totally agree with you. And anyone can do it. I mean, that's it. yes, it's- you have to be able to stand steadily, but... Yes, I agree. Anyone, everyone should be doing it. Yep. So. And you're right. I, I think if only people realize what it does in terms of bone health, I think they would be more on board. Just It's not discussed enough. No, it's really not. Yeah. And you know what? Here's part of the reason. Look at most, I won't even say 60-year-olds. Look at most 50-year-olds today. Most of them aren't mm-hmm. capable of working out. Yeah, that's the first problem. That's why we talk about diet first. Most people today, if if you want them to work out, first off, they're just going to be miserable and they're probably going to quit. They won't have the energy. They will be so inflamed that when they work out, it hurts and then it hurts afterwards and then it hurts the next day and you stop doing it. So we we have to change the diet first. Once you change the diet, you get the right nutrition and all those downsides to this go away and it becomes much easier to do and then you feel the benefits. So you're right. We haven't talked about it enough and we're going to talk about it more. Diet's still first, but this is a critically important part to staying healthy as you get old. It definitely is. I have a question about this x3 bar so from my understanding it's just a platform with a bar and then several resistance bands is that correct yes and does it come with um like workout ideas or how does that part work it does so the basic x3 workout the the bar comes with a laminated page with two workouts okay front and back And each workout is only four exercises. So, for example, in the basic X3 workout, they do it as push-pull, which is, that's a good method Mm -hmm. of splitting it up, and they throw legs in. But here's, here's the workout. So, day one is push. So, you would do a chest press with the bands kind of like a bench press but you're standing up when you do it and you do one set that's it one set of chest press but you do it till you can't do any more so you pick a band where you will fail somewhere between 15 and 30 so and you you go till you can't even do one more and then you even do half motions until you can't do those and then you just stop. And then that's it. You are done for chest. That was your chest workout. One set of one exercise to failure. This is the trick. This is why it's so effective. 
So you did chest press, then you do tricep press, standing up. Then on that okay. day, I you know, now I can't remember because I changed it. it. There was a leg exercise in. On day one, you do squats. On day two, you do calf raises. So I don't remember if the squats were part of... I think squats are part of pull. Calf raises might have been part of push. So on this day, you're going to do a chest press, a tricep press, an overhead shoulder press, or what we call a military press, and then calf raises. That's it. Four movements, one set per movement to failure. That's why this only takes 10 minutes. And then the next day is pull. So I do a deadlift, which is an awesome full body workout by the way if you were only going to do one exercise i would tell you to make it deadlifts it hits so many muscles at the same time and those big core muscles we need in our hips and our lower back Uh, so on the pull day it's deadlift what we call bent rows which is kind of like leaning over and pulling the bar up to your chest Um, we do bicep curls and we do squats Four movements, one set to failure. You're done in 10 minutes. Those are the two workouts. Pretty cool. Okay, awesome. Yeah. Yeah, and then I'm tweaking it. I added a third day. So I I separated out the legs. I'm going to do push-pull legs and core. Um, And I added a couple other movements. But you don't even have to. You could totally split it up so you're actually only doing three movements a day so on push if we didn't want to add anything because you're you're still hitting all the big muscle groups in this new three-day workout it's just even shorter now because on the push day i'm only going to do three i'm going to do chest press tricep press and shoulder press then on the pull day i'm going to do deadlift uh, bent rows and bicep curls Now I'm only doing three movements each day. It's less than 10 minutes. Then on my third day, I'll do the squats, the toe raises, uh, crunches for my core, and reverse crunches. So I do four on that day. Wow. That's amazing that you're able to get, you know, a good workout in in such a short amount of time. I didn't realize it was so few reps, too. It fifth, somewhere set, between 15, say. yeah, yeah, only one set per muscle, and the reps will fall somewhere between 15 and 30. So if I'm failing between 15 and 30, then that's the correct band. If I get to the point where I can do 30 and I haven't failed yet, then I need to move up in my band. Got it. Cool. Very cool. And I know people have a hard time believing this, but when I owned the gym, I would work out two hours a day, six days a week because I could. I was there. I had time. And unfortunately, as crazy as it sounds, I get better results from this. Wow. I was totally overtraining. Most people who get serious about resistance training will end up overtraining. Almost everybody. Yeah, you can, there is such thing as overdoing it. <laughs> I almost, <laughs> I all, almost everybody does. We, we work out yeah. 
that we do too many sets and reps with rest in between. Here's really that this might help explain why this works. What we keep doing the typical way we work out, and I did this for years and taught other people to do it, and it was wrong like a lot of things we knew. So let's say you do that typical, okay, you're supposed to do four sets of 12 reps, right? Mm-hmm. Well, in order to do that, we have to pick a weight that I'm probably not failing at 12 because if I failed at 12 on my first set, I won't be able to do another set of 12. Certainly not four of them. So we lower our weight. So now we do 12, but we didn't fail. It hurt. We got a little burn at the end, but we didn't fail. We take a rest. We do it again. We do another set. We don't really fail. Hurts, burns a little bit. We do four sets. We never really push the muscle to failure. Sure, it'll get a little stronger, but what happens when we push our body beyond its limit what does it do? In almost every case, you probably have some examples of this in free diving. The way you can go farther and farther is you keep pushing your body beyond its limit, right? Definitely. Then the body responds and says, look, it wanted me to do something and I couldn't do it. And it responds and starts becoming capable of doing that. But if in my workout, I'm never pushing that muscle to failure because I keep giving it a rest and then coming back and doing more, the body doesn't have to respond and say, look, we have to change something. We failed. But when we push that muscle to failure, then the body says, oh, man, we, we need to get stronger. I think that's what I was doing wrong. I've been doing wrong my whole life. We all have. We all have. Everybody. I mean, every gym you go to, every personal trainer you talk to, we all taught the same stuff. Just like we told everybody you should be eating low fat. Uh, That was bullshit. It wasn't right. It was complete. So is this. The way we work out is just wrong. Now, here's the thing. Even if you work out wrong, that's better than not working out at all. But we're just wasting a lot of time. So why not do this in in the most efficient way possible? And this is it. And I will also tell you this. You can't do this nearly as as effectively with live weights. It is the bands that make this more effective. Hmm. There you go. All right. There we go. So. X3 bar. Yeah. (laughs) We're going to take a break, and now since we just kept talking, we're going to move our launch time up to 11. Does that sound okay? My time. Yeah, that definitely works. Okay. That's about a 15-minute break from right now. So we're going to wrap this up, and we will see you live at healthytribe.com. All you have to do is log in. Lauren will show up right there on video. Uh, I'll be in the chat room. You won't see me, but I'll be answering questions. Bring us lots of questions today. Challenge us. Uh, we, we have lots of stuff we can talk about, but uh, I want to know what's on your mind. So we will see you then. 15 minutes, healthytribe.com. Be safe, be profitable, be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey.